Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball! Get me the ball! Get me the ball! Get me the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Y'all it for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. Jack It's a party, it's a party, it's a party. This is 11 personnel i'm nick roush and adam luckett i've got a question for you shoot i had a much better question like prepared and like rehearsed and then i just kind of got lost in the weeds on the way over here it's busy there's a five car pile up when does that ever happen you know i'm going through back roads down only on only in untimely situations does it happen oh yeah of course right after you're trying to like get some bogs up real quick um but you know, it's it's it's. They say football's it's off season, but I'm not buying it. Football never stops, and that's why we're here to talk chalk, because uh, it's actually kind of a busy news day here on a Monday evening, six days away from Super Bowl Fifty Four, and Mark Stoops, uh, he's he's busy curtain, busy curtain, it's curtain season, you know. He- It'd be nice to have a junior day during a Saturday college basketball game. Yeah, that, that would be cool. They've kind of had you, to adjust on the fly. When you're, like, if you were playing good teams, like, you know, I don't know, an Auburn or, a, like, every other game for the next month. That's a month where they go at Arkansas, at Texas Tech, at Auburn for college game day. At and Tennessee. At Tennessee. Like, uh, can't throw one in there, SEC? Yeah, yeah, it's it, we talked about this last week, but it's, it's still just crazy. it's annoying. It's annoying, but they actually still did have a lot of recruits in, and they're trying to put a bow on the signing class. That I guess the next time we'll talk, we'll probably just wait till Wednesday after signing day, and they'll add a couple more. Uh, Heard Torrance yeah, Davis see, it's, is going to sign. It's sneaking up on us. I know because yeah, you just don't. It's like a fake signing day. Yeah, it really is. But Torrance Davis, he didn't sign. In the first period, Hurdy's going to sign in this one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that sounds like that was a clearinghouse issue. Michael Drennan, still up in the air. We don't mm-hmm. really know. Absolutely nothing from that camp. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, so much nothing that there's conflicted reports where, like, uh, you know, one guy, uh, Helmholt. Josh Helmholt. Yeah, he He's does. like the Midwest Rivals guy. Yeah, Midwest Rivals guy. He talked to his dad, and his dad said that status quo, no new visits. And then Roland had where he was going to go visit, like, Stanford or, I don't know, some other West Coast schools. So, like, who knows with that kid. Well, I, if I, he's going to do it, he only really has one weekend left. I know. I, I planned on uh, doing some digging today. Instead, I got into the weeds looking at some of the recruits they had over the weekend, which they call it junior day. But there weren't that many juniors there at Market. There was, there was now one of the really talented juniors, Micah Crowell. He is like top 100 receiver from North Carolina. Kind of not a typical recruiting territory. Right. Just like the kid they got in from Philly that Brad White brought. He brought in some edge from Philly. That's a top 100. It's going to be a junior next year. But really what it was all about, though, is they brought in a ton of like freshman, sophomores, from the state of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, really big on getting Big in those. in-state recruiting event. Yeah, they had a lot of kids from Corbin. Uh, there were four from there. They had the kid from Manuel, who I think is going to be good. Uh, Jawan Northington, mm-hmm. who I don't, I don't think he's kin to the Northington that has got a statue on UK's campus. Mr. Nate Northington. Yes. Uh, this Northington, though, I believe Wildcat Corey is his uncle. I couldn't oh, really? really confirm it, but 
he was re- yeah, I, I'm, I'm almost certain that that's the case. Um, Wildcat Corey, big t- long-time KSR caller. But Northington, I just – he almost single-handedly beat Mail this year. Emmanuel was not that good. Right. And, and they haven't – Mail was top 25 in the nation. Hadn't lost Emmanuel since 2012. And Northington put him up 14 nothing. Put Mail in a hole. They had to get a field goal with like three minutes left just to win the game by one. So that kid's going to end up being a stud. He's basketball and track. Three-sport athlete. Three, yeah, and, you know, you, you can't say enough good things about the three-sport athletes out there. And he also has a teammate that's getting some interest. Yeah. Um, Blakey? Eli Blakely. Or Blakey, yeah. Yeah, I kept wanting to call him Blakely, too. Because he never – like never heard Blakey. Blake, Blakey name. sounds like, oh, little Blakey. Oh. You know, like – But here's the thing with recruiting. A lot of times some of these guys' names that we will think oh, is yeah. their name for a while. And then oh, they'll get I called, to Lexington on signing day, and then we'll find out, oh, I call Jagger Jaeger. Yeah, I, I still want to call him Jaeger Burton. <laughs> Jaeger Burton does sound like a shot. Hey, let's take a Jaeger Burton. It's a Jaeger Burton. Oh, don't worry. There's Jaeger and a bunch of if stuff. If you have to ask, you don't want to know. <laughs> um, but th- so they had a lot of good in-state kids. The Corbin kids, what I thought was funny like it is that, I mean, I'm sure this was just coincidence that right after Travion Longmire and Dakota Patterson, I believe his last name, Mm-hmm. Right after all those kids are up, they they have their banquet at Cor- um, afterwards down in Corbin. And you know who was signing autographs was Len Bowden. And he just so happened to stop by and say, hey, Corbin Redhounds, how you doing? Imagine that. Yeah. Funny how that works out. Great coincidence. Mm-hmm. And they got two guys, in Longmire and Patterson. They're looking like. Yeah, that Patterson kid's big, too. He's like 6'3", 6'4". Going to be legit power five freshman. prospects. Longmire, he got offered as a freshman, too. He'll be a junior next year. Um, he was he was one of those kids who he does a little bit of everything for him. Um, so I'll, I'll be interested to see. I think he's more of a defensive back at that next level. Um, but he, uh, I'm interested to see what happens to those kids, especially now that Justin Haddix is out of there, like who they replace and all that. We kind of right. mentioned that stuff last week, but – Coaching, it, it does play a significant role in development, especially at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be interested to see that. There was a lot of other in-state kids who actually were at UofL at uh, Saturdays, red carpet Saturday. Oh, just so lame. Just so lame. But you know what? You got to do what you got to do. It's cruden. They're, they're selling 8-1 season, and some people in the national media are selling it too. No, 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 like it. You're wrong. <laughs> All people are buying it. And you know what, though? You know why I can, like, the part where I don't blame them is it's like, well, they got to be, you know, somebody's got to win games in the ACC. Like, That's true. <laughs> Wake Forest, true. they lost their quarterback. They're going to stink next year. Boston College is in a rebuild. I mean, really, ooh, you got to beat Dave Dorn to open the season. And that's like the swing between an well, eight and a nine win. Kinda. It can't get much worse. Yeah. A lot of those teams are going to get better by default. I wish they had North Carolina on the schedule. Like the the, the regular at UNC. North Carolina's fun, but once you see their schedule, they become a lot less fun. They go to UCF and they play Auburn in their first two games. Ugh. <laughs> oh, Mac. <laughs> Bit off a little more than you too, so buddy. He could have a 9-3 and three team that's really going to go maybe 7-5. and five. Because of the schedule. Yeah, and I I'll, I quickly like just decided to quit caring about those two early top 25s that have one them. I've made them before, and they're a lot harder than you think. Because you don't know who's coming back. Every, there's so much can change from now until even spring ball starts. Mm-hmm. From spring ball till fall camp starts. So, I, so that, that that's my point on it. Point on it, but... Like I said, after the Louisville game on this podcast, they people are going to be eating up Scott Satterfield and that program. And then the bowl game, one of the bowl game just. Yeah, yeah, especially was, against an ACC team. It was a team. big jumping off point, yeah. big, a big momentum booster for that for them heading into the offseason. I'm still. And then they're selling, you know, the quarterback's back, Travion Samuel's back. Travion Samuel's going to be, not Travion Samuel. Duh. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's, he's uh, not long gone. Uh now I can't think of his name either. Tutu Atwell. Yeah, Tutu and, and Javion Hawkins. Hawkins. All of those guys are back. And so they're going to be projected to be one of the top scoring offenses in college football and offense sales, man. 
while everybody's drooling over Louisville, it's during recruiting season, I would like to draw your attention to Louisville's coaching staff. Because there's one person in particular that's hilarious to look at. Just especially to take pictures with. He's not as yeah. awkward as Chris Konakis. Are you talking about their wide receivers coach? Yes, wide oh, receivers Gunter. coach yes. Gunter Brewer. My man is all about throwing L's up and wearing flat just bills. Enormous flat bills too. They aren't your regular size flat bill. These flat bills are like two sizes too large. They're not even your skater board flat bills like Kyle Shanahan wears. Yeah, no, no, yeah, they're they're not your. Uh, what was the show with Rob, not Robin Big, but the other one? Uh, Fantasy Factory? Yeah, and it was just the most skaterific show ever. Right. And it was not as cool as Jackass. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, that, I can I can put, but the, the ones that Gunnar Brewer wears, pretty ridiculous. I didn't see one of him with Dan Key, but I'm sure that's going to be coming down the road. Dan Key, by the way, how hilarious is it that that kid's going to be like, the next big – I mean, he's going to really blow up. He got an offer from mm-hmm. Oregon last week. I'm sure Clemson's going to be rolling through Frederick Douglass. Him and Deco Crowdus will be on the same team next year. Yeah, and that, quarter, that quarterback's good enough that he'll, he'll get – Be some, able to get the ball to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that team, you got to go get – come on, Mark. Go find him a coach. <laughs> yeah, they'll be the heavy favorite. It's seeming like in 5A. Especially now that Michael Myers gone. No, that dude was a freak, man. My God. He did not look like a high school kid. Going to Notre Dame. Of course, guy. And there was another kid who was going to Notre Dame until this weekend. And uh, it's it really is, like, sad news. I mean, it's, it's self-inflicted. But Lane and Bartleson, Boyle County product, one of two Boyle County kids who signed to play – FBS, mm-hmm. Reese Smith going to play for Neil Brown, West Virginia, and Landon Bartleson going to play at Notre Dame uh, for Brian Kelly, going to be a DB slash special teamer. And over the weekend, he was arrested after him and two other kids, the other kids were minor, 16, for breaking into a place and stealing guns. Not just guns, like assault wipe weapons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looked like a... Heavy artillery. Yes, very heavy artillery. Stuff you go to war with. And then hijacking a Lexus. Um, not only were they just like arrested, like ATFs involved. Right. So, You're not really going to get away with that in the same night. No, 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 no. Like, just in general. Like, a smooth criminal couldn't get away with that. But then you add to the fact, like, this isn't like a kid... He was going to Notre Dame. What is it all the alums complain about how hard it is to get in there? Right. Like, he got in, and then now is, like, facing federal, like, the ATS involved. It's, A, it's just, it's sad that it would all get thrown away in a night. Brian Kelly came out and was like, this isn't the kid we've known. He's he's not coming to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it's probably because he, he's, I mean, he's facing federal charges. Or at least, like, the feds are involved. That's mm-hmm. bad. Stealing guns. This isn't like got caught smoking weed. Yeah, I mean, he's looking like he's going to be a convicted felon. Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah, it's sad, sad is definitely what it is. Do you and know what it, One bad decision, man. Man. Ruin your life. You would kind of remind me of, too. Remember Bud Mackey? Mm-hmm. Dude was a stud. Ridge Wilson in a different way. Yeah. Marcus Walker. Man, Kentucky's had some too. But Bud was, Bud Mackey was, like, cause he won Sweet Sixteen on like a buzzer beater for Scott County. They beat like a Bauer team. Yeah, I think that was his junior year, and then he was coming back. He was committed to Indiana yeah. before his senior year started. And then he was like selling hard drugs at school. school. I was like, dude, what are you doing? I mean, yeah, Ridge was slinging pills in like the West End or something. Mm-hmm. I think, man. So we we played against Ridge. We were always scrimmage central, mm-hmm. and he. The, it was one of those plays where I was the backside defensive end, and they threw a screen to the other side to him, like a tight end screen. We had like four dudes on him, and I was like, okay, I don't have to do anything here. And it's at the five yard line, and he's just chopping his legs, and just pushes the entire pile into the end zone. <laughs> like what in the? He had he had some tools, man. Dude was an athlete. So it's, they had Central had some athletes. 
back then at that time frame. That year, one of their best athletes, I always thought, I think his name was Leland. He was the quarterback of that first state championship team. Mm-hmm. And I think Ridge was a sophomore at the time. Um, they had Tim P- Patterson. P- Tim Patterson, PC Cobble. But all those kids went to UK, except for this core. The quarterback, I thought he was the best athlete. He was good at basketball, too. But, no, I mean, hell, PC Cobble was the only one. Mr. Cobble. I don't know why they called him PC. Um, but he was the only one that actually ended up, uh, you know. Sticking. Yeah, and it just, he, especially right now, I mean, this is the point of the year that, like. it's Well, usually it's the summer where you get up, where at school's over. Mm-hmm. And you've got that dead period where you're just waiting pretty much for camp to start. But, yeah, any it, usually any off-season news, bad, bad news. news. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be in the headlines. And I feel you just hate to see him throw it away even before. He didn't even get to South Bend. I mean, that's your ticket. Mm-hmm. Just finish school. Just graduate. Yeah. And, and you're uh, – I just – I absolutely hate it. It's tough, but, you know, it happens, and, and hopefully he learns from this lesson. Um, and is able to move on. Uh, speaking of people moving on, Adam Luckett, transfer portal, it's popping right now. It's really popping. Transfer portal has really, really, really made college football January and February much more interesting. And it, it filled the void, like we said, from fake recruiting season. Yes. Like, because right, right now, I mean, you know, it's like two kids or something. Five years ago, we would have been talking about oh, this recruiting, busy recruiting, time. recruiting. Yeah. So it it has helped for the void. And that, as we talked about earlier, signing days here next week, and we're you know we're oblivious to it pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, for the portal, or a guy Jaron Williams, man. Oh, Jaron Williams in the transfer back portal? in it. Official. I don't know if he was ever officially in it last year. I know no. there was a scuttlebutt. Yeah, I think it was just scuttlebutt. Mm-hmm. But. He's leaving because he's Derek King, guy at Houston. He tore it up in 2018 mm-hmm. with Kendall Browse as their offense coordinator. And then he mysteriously stopped playing after four games this year, said he was just going to redshirt and then play next year. That whole thing. Which a lot of people saw through that and didn't believe. The, and now uh, he's going to Miami. The one – there was a kid who was a tight end for him who was a grad transfer – Already, and this was his last year of eligibility, and he had a couple knees. Mm-hmm. And the way that he had, he had this thread because he he like quit the team afterwards. He was like, "This is BS," you know. Like, I grad transferred for my last year, and then the coaches pretty much decided to tank, and all of the good players redshirt, and we're gonna try again next year. But you 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 can't anymore. So, you know, tough titty. Like you're stuck with us. So I. Tanking in college football, like you can't get a better draft pick, you know. Uh, yeah, there was it didn't really get talked about a lot because Houston had a weird schedule. Like they played five, their first four games in like eighteen days or something because they played on Sunday night uh, to the, open up against Oklahoma, and then they had like a a Thursday game thrown in in the mix. Like, yeah, yeah. So that last like their fourth game. So in the span of nineteen days, they played like four games. They got off to. I believe like a two and two start. Wasn't and, good. Or, and yeah, it wasn't good. So I don't. I mean, things got really weird in Dana Holgerson's first year, and he responds by promoting Shane Dawson to offensive coordinator <laughs> in the end of the season. So I'm sure that work. Getting well. the band back together, but Jeremy Williams, man, in an alternate universe, he's probably entering his junior season as Lex in Lexington as a third year starter, and Terry Wilson is at Indiana or Nebraska. And we never see the Limboden experiment. Nope. I mean, that's as wild to think. But it's one of those, you, you had the report in the Miami Herald from the guy who, he, he just they just described him as an anonymous upperclassman who described it as there's more players who, they're more focused on partying than playing football. and Which, that that right there. I'm sure a lot of former players would hate that somebody would go and say that and would call that a non-credible source <laughs> to say that, like, cause yeah. what happens in their stays in there. But the fact that somebody did that well, and the, that there may be legs to that shows you how rotten that locker room situation is right now, how rotten that culture is. And the fact that he thought that he needed to go public, mm-hmm. you know, like in, 
a lot of it too, that culture, it's top down. Not not even necessarily, but like as a quarterback, you can't be the dude who's out partying. Like, I mean, Drew Barker could get away with getting knocked out as a redshirt freshman because he was being redshirted at the time. And you're like, okay, maybe this is a learning lesson. But like, it's you're on shaky ground if your quarterback isn't the dude setting a good example for others. Right. And Williams, the night before the FIU game, he throws three picks. He he. Well, that was a big part. Perfect. I think he said that a bunch of them didn't uh didn't take that FIU week serious. They're out partying, and then Jeremy Williams. I think he missed like it was pronounced that he missed yeah, practice. He missed practice, and they still started him. Right, or and no, they, or they played him. I don't know if they started him. Right, I think they started Nikosi Perry that week, and it was just bad. And they had the Tate Martell experience, and Diaz went all in on some grad transfers last year. So they just had that culture. It's or that that just program is in looks like really rough shape right now. And it's interesting to see if Fanny Diaz can get it turned around because the, the AD already had to oh vote of confidence put out the vote of confidence He's letter a, two years in a row. Vote of confidence after one year. Oh God, why does Derek King want to go there? Who, Good question. Who, yeah, like why, of all, I thought everybody's like, oh, Oklahoma. They hired Rhett Lashley. Now they're going all in on him. Where, where's Rhett Lashley from? King. He was originally Gus's like right hand man, Arkansas State and Auburn. Mm, okay. Gus gave up play calling duties to him, and then once that happened, then they kind of butted heads. Imagine that. <laughs> and then he went to UConn for a year and SMU for a year, and was their offense coordinator. Did. Good job, both those places. So he's coming in there. They're riding on him. But Miami, they did this one thing this year. They have a guy that there's a guy named Alonzo Highsmith who's like a career NFL personnel direct like mm-hmm. guy. So NFL front office guy. Their AD went to him, and there was a rumor that he, they wanted him to kind of like they were going to take like an NFL approach. It's like Herm Edwards kind of deal. Well, or? not the coach, but just to oversee everything and it's to be like, like a GM of yeah, the team. To be like I guess the guy coaching, the head coach. So and, like the Dwayne Peavy for Cal in a sense. And by like re- an associate AD or mm-hmm. some kind of <laughs> Yeah, kind of. Well, just be like I guess he would be have a lot of say in recruiting. Huh. And what they were doing and kind of making sure everything is falling in line. Yeah. Well, apparently Manny Diaz kind of bucked against that. Oh, you mean he didn't want another boss? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff going on there, in Miami. So Jeremy, the big point is though, he just Jeremy Williams fell in love with the the logo mm-hmm. and the brand name and the people. I think with the people around him too. Yeah. Fell in love with oh, it. Oh, definitely. And I th- think I think it's a safe assumption that he had people in his ear telling him he was better than Kentucky. And he needed to go somewhere else. The one game he was there for, where he did like officially flip or whatever, was Miami's biggest win in Notre Dame. Years. The Notre Dame game. Yeah, and they probably. I mean, they, they haven't had anything close to that in forever. And it doesn't look College like they're going to have anything there. close to it again for ten they're, more years. They were undefeated. Yeah, uh, but then Mark Rick just I think got sick of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> what happened was Mark Rick. At Georgia, they hamstrung him and told him he couldn't. They didn't want him to be the play caller, and he had to fire some of his like close people. So he goes to Miami to call. He gets the call plays, and he gets to bring along some people he's close with. And then the same thing happened. They wanted him to shake up the staff, and he was just like, "I'm I'm over you. I, I'm a millionaire. Well, yeah, I'm just well, gonna go retire." Yeah. He um. The goatee edition was a, a fun. Yeah, that was fun. That was such a that was a nice bad boy mm-hmm. kind of way to go about it, Mark Rick. That's Mark a Rick, that's, bad boy. <laughs> yeah, Mark I love Rick, that. That's, the bad how, boy. that's how he decides he's going to become a bad boy too. Yeah. Growing a goatee. Mm-hmm. So Jaron Williams, man, he's got skills, but there's some leadership probably questions he's got to answer, and I'll be interested to see mm-hmm. what opportunities are there for him. One who I think is in the transfer portal that I do think is going to be successful is Peyton Ramsey. That guy. He's, I mean, he made my, or my Indiana good. Not non-Indiana good enough, but that's still another big name that's out there. Um, in Today, just out there today. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm also kind of surprised like it? I've met a whole lot of Kentucky guys in that transfer portal. Well, you got Trey Wilkins, who's still out there. 
Stanley Garner. And Stanley Garner still out there. Sean Kill Knight Golf is technically and he did put his yeah, name in the portal. Yeah. And then Walker Wood. But like I'm surprised there haven't been more. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're waiting until after the spring. Like, yeah, they could have. I, I think there's a scenario where they like kind of are the coaches are like, Well, you know, we'll see how spring goes. Um see where you stand. At least give it one more shot. Because I, I think in some cases it's like wide receivers who just didn't catch passes. Like you would think that some of those kids who are redshirt freshmen. There or is a log jam at wide receiver. Yeah. So like they're probably going to try to figure out pecking order during spring. If they don't fit, then mm-hmm. out. Um, I think it's getting to the point with some of the offensive linemen too. It's getting a little crowded there. Yes. Yes. Uh, well. But now there's playing time to be had, but those spots could start to be established now. Yeah. And then you're bringing in a junior college player, Jeremy Flax, and a blue chip recruit and John Young this spring. Mm-hmm. You're probably the staff is going to be pushing to take some of those spots. I hope, I hope Nick Lewis isn't one of them. I yeah. like seeing Nick Lewis around. Cause he's, boy. So, he's so damn big. He's like 6'9", 350, I don't know what. But he's just enormous. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Horsey has a cool story. Yes. If he could get, get in there. Yeah, and I think – if it was just purely based on depth chart, he would be the next man up at that left yeah, guard he's gonna spot. Yeah, he's going to be in that mix for sure. And I mean, he – so if you all don't know Kenneth Horsey's story, Kenneth Horsey had open-heart surgery as a senior in high school. I, I forget if it was a bacterial infection, but they found something on his heart, and they had to go in and do, like, emergency surgery on him. So that happens, and surprisingly, like, post-op – you know, he's fine. Goes to rehab. You know, everything goes according to plan. And really, he had no restrictions other than he had to have, uh, you know, I, they eased him in and they were, you know, giving him EKGs and stuff. But there really weren't restrictions. And he was able to start practice right when everybody else did that fall camp. It was really kind of crazy. Yeah. So he redshirted this year. He was redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. And he recently spoke at an American Heart uh, Association. That's that, all it. Yeah. They're doing a, a walk this spring at Keeneland. And it was like the kind of kickoff of the campaign. You know, you have those luncheons that kind of just try to get donations, get things rolling. And he spoke at it. And I was like, holy crap, that dude, he, he used his red shirt years to, to put on some LB. So um, I'll be interested to see how he fits in to this rotation moving forward. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later on. But two big coaching things that we, I don't know why we've waited so long to get to. You know, you just kind of get talking and, you know, you just go. First things first, Mike Stoops got another Stoops in the mix. Maybe there's a rumor uh, going on. Yeah, uh, Ron Lemon was the first one to to take it to say it outside a message board. All those message board folks, they were like, "Oh, they've been talking about it for weeks over on BigBlueInYourFace.com." And it's like, okay, buddy, if it's if you're hiding it behind a paywall, then it's not really out there. Like, I don't know. That's just me. Like. To try to discount Ryan Lemon. That's the first person who's publicly said anything for the masses to right. reach in a while. And he said it Saturday morning that uh, he, he kind of, I, I don't forget the exact language, but he definitely didn't say that it's going to happen. He was like, there were there could be in the mix to be the next coach to replace Dave. He's Hood. a candidate. Yes. Um, so, if... Mike Stoops becomes the replacement for Dean Hood and coaches safeties or something. What would you what, what would you think of that, Adam Luckett? I think resume wise, you look at it and that's kind of what you want. A guy that's a former head coach who's a grizzled vet. Power five head coach. Power five head coach for has, almost ten years. Has like two decades worth of power five defensive coordinator experience. He's been a secondary coach for forever. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban thanks enough of him to bring him into his building to work for him. He's been there for a year and a half. I think he came in right after right. Oklahoma got rid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, in what's his name's first year? It's Lincoln Riley's second year. It was the second year they got okay because they went they lost to the Rose Bowl to the Georgia his first year. So D C. Yeah, and then middle of Calamari year is when he was fired from Oklahoma. Gotcha, gotcha. But so so that. Obviously, I think, you know, there's always the, the the Stoops brother connection. Oh, yeah. And his brother Bob 
got rid of a guy named by the name of Brent Vittables to bring his brother Mike in. And that didn't work out too well. Yeah, that um I think some Oklahoma fans there they remember that pretty well. But um I uh I just like that whenever the name got brought up, I I knew my mentions were gonna be uh on fire. Mike's keep him away from the defense. Well, just keep him as far away as possible. He doesn't know anything about it. Which, like, the first random year I picked Luckett to look up Oklahoma's stats, clicked on 2015 when he was their defensive coordinator. They were first in Big 12 in scoring total defense and top 25 nationally. And that's in the Big 12 where nobody plays defense. I think that's the main point is, A, if you're going to judge Mike Stoops based on the Big 12, well, then every Big 12 coordinator sucks. I think what really would happen with Mike Stoops is they didn't really adjust well enough the last couple of years of his tenure. Um, didn't, I don't think, gotten the right kind of scheme personnel-wise. He was a little stubborn on what he wanted to run, mm-hmm. and it allowed them to get picked apart. And for whatever reason, they weren't developing the guys they were getting, especially in the front seven. And that kind of evened the playing field for the rest of the Big 12. And then if you're not able to dominate up front, then it opens your back end up for a lot of problems. And when Lincoln Riley came in, they were just – they're not like going nuclear NASCAR fast on offense, but they're getting a lot of explosives. They're scoring in a lot of three-play drives, four-play drives, and it was putting his defense on the field a lot. Yeah. So And then you look at his Arizona tenure – his Arizona tenure, he did really well when Sonny Dykes was calling plays and when Mark Stoops was calling the defense. Yeah. When those guys left, it went in the tank. Yep, pretty, pretty quickly. So, But he he stuck around there from for eight years, from 04 to 11. So it wasn't like it was just a quick cup of coffee. So, yeah, he went to some bowl games. So he's an experienced vet. I think it's kind of what you want at that position. He's not going to be calling the defense. Brad White's going to be calling the defense, but it's another guy in the room. To, mm-hmm. to guide guide well, you along, I think the overall thing of this all, like just if you're mad, like oh my gosh, Mike Stoops, get him away from the. De-. He's not going to be a defensive coordinator. He's going to be with Dean Hood, right? And you're right. replacing a guy who is a former head coach with another guy, former head coach. Except this guy is a Power Five head coach. Dean Hood was just he's at EKU. He's mm-hmm. Ohio Valley coach. Mm-hmm. So you, I think what Stoops has done well. Um, because he even early on he had Brad Del Pivito. He has a good balance of old old heads and young heads. And Getty Grand really. Gave I think that, that was something. Well. If you asked Stoops when Pivito left in thirteen, I think that was something he probably didn't do well enough. Was in fourteen and fifteen they really didn't have that. No, they didn't. And having a guy like Mike, a guy who he's worked with before, like he knows he can work with him. Mm-hmm. And granted, it's the shoes on the other foot now, right? Because Mark's the boss, and I'm sure that would be take some getting used to. Here's my thing. I bet you Mike Stoops would be up in the booth the entire game, just looking at stuff. You know, like I can't. I I I would see that being his role. That's where he was at Oklahoma in the last few years. Yeah. Tenure. You take Summerall, you put him down the sideline. I never like Summerall being up in the booth. Summerall seems like a sideline guy. He's way too fired up for that. And I think what would happen is I think you would give Mike Stoops this role of safeties coach, and then Summerall would be special teams. If not special teams coordinator, he would split it with Clank or something like that. But, I mean, Summerall got a pretty hefty raise. Summerall was the special teams coordinator at Troy there for three years. So I think he would be the heavy favorite to take over the yes. position. And, and that raise went from, like, he's making like 250 and now he's up to 600, mm-hmm. which is it'd be, it's just under what Vince that, makes. That, Vince. Says, that says a lot about what Mark Stoops thinks about yeah. John Summerall. Vince makes will make six twenty five next year. He'll only make twenty five more than Summerall. Mm-hmm. The the few times I've had, I, I don't have a lot of conversations with Mark Stoops, but there was one time uh, during a practice this year, and I was like, you know, we're standing over there just for a little bit. And I was like, man, that John Summerall, Duke gets after it. He goes, he's a ball coach, ain't he? <laughs> it's like, yeah, he is. He is a ball coach. So I, I that's kind of how I foresee. That shaking out, and I kind of do expect him to end up eventually bringing in Mike Stoops. And honestly, if you think it's a – like, 
You think there was going to be a Mark Stoops without another Stoops joining him? That's kind of what you get when you sign up for the Stoops. That's true. If he wants to bring his That's brother true. in after seven years, he's earned the right to bring his brother in, especially not calling defense. You know, mm-hmm. like, and I, I don't think Mark would let Mike call his defenses either. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mark would call the how defense before he'd hand it over to Mike. How many arguments you think yeah. they're going to have at well, practice or in uh, the war room? And also, if it's one of those things, too, where you don't think he'd work well with his brothers, it got him the job at Florida State. And Vince Merrill's basically a brother anyway. I mean, they grew up running around together in like the same house. So, like, he's worked with plenty. You know what I mean? Like, the, I know some people, I like, I could work with my brother, but some people, I don't think they could work with theirs. Like, could you and your brother work together? Like, I think you could. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know. That's It's, it's different, man. I mean, work – is, In college football, they're all it's all nepotism. Yeah, <laughs> just look at Missouri State staff. Yeah, you've seen it. Missouri oh, State staff. It, uh, well, I know there's one Petrino. Um, believe it or not, that's joining Papa Nick's going from UT Martin over there. There was another. Bo- both son-in-laws are joining. Okay, the son-in-laws. Knew One's going to be a defense coordinator. Oh, he's a defensive coordinator too. Ryan Beard, who would worked at Central Michigan this year, was our special teams coordinator. He's going to be the D.C. there at Missouri State. And Mike Cassidy, who was Bobby's D.C. at Louisville, his son is on the staff. And I think his son's pretty young, like 20s, somewhere in the 20s. Say Mike Cassidy. He, Mike Cassidy is a very nice man. His, so health, a, his health's not doing it, too well, though. Yeah, yeah. It's a tight circle Bobby Petrino keeps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The company, yeah. He does not uh, overextend himself too much. I was surprised he hadn't hired Greg Nord, too. That's <laughs> coming up next. I know. Um, but in other kind of moving and shaking news, uh, today, Bo Pelini took the job. Uh, he's going back to LSU, calling Baton Rouge. He is he's going back, making two and a half million, give or take, to About be the same as Aranda made. Yeah, to be Coach O's defense coordinator. Uh, Pelini won a national championship at LSU back in 07. He was their old DC from 2005 to 2007. They were pretty pretty dang good during that time. He came in with Les Miles first year. Yeah, and left there to go to Nebraska where Nebraska things soured there quickly. <laughs> well, hey, if you all haven't listened to the recording where somebody like secretly recorded him yeah. after a game, yeah. It's foul mouth and it's hilarious. It's Yeah. Oh, it's one of my favorite because it's so on brand mm-hmm. for Bo Pelini, who kind of a grump. Um, but Nebraska fans, you know, they think so highly of themselves that going to the Big Twelve Championship and consistently winning eight, nine games a year wasn't good enough for them. So things went south fast once that recording came out. Um, but he took the job at Youngstown State. A, it's his hometown, so he's going to go home help that school, and B. He was making almost as much from Nebraska. No, no, no. He he was making in a year he would make two hundred thousand dollars, give or take, from Youngstown State. In a month he got paid a hundred and thirty from Nebraska in his mm-hmm. buyout. Mm-hmm. So Charlie Strong had something set up like that with USF. Like USF was only really paying him like a million a year. And Texas was giving him like four. Yeah, he was <laughs> getting know? like three per year for Texas. So he was one of the highest paid. Maybe it was like four. So he was one of the highest paid coaches in the country, but really his school that he was working for was really not paying, paying bottom of the barrel. <laughs> That's crazy. So Pelini was there for that that first contract. I, I, I did plenty about Nebraska? of digging. No, 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 at Youngstown State. Okay. So his Youngstown State, the first contract he signed was until that buyout ran out. Mm-hmm. And then they negotiated a new deal last year. And this is where things get important because Polini's departure, naturally, you're like, well, you, Vince Merrill's got to be on that short list, right? You would think. I mean, he's from there. He's recruiting his ass off in that area, and he, he's when he wasn't there, he was with Polini at Nebraska. Correct? Was it with Polini? Right. He the- wasn't a official staff member. He was kind of. He had like some weird administrator. GA position. Yeah. 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 But he also previously worked at Akron, too. Same footprint. Um, and then he coached high school ball in that area, too, in like Toledo. Mm-hmm. So he would check all the boxes, and immediately you're thinking, like, well, does Vince want to go help his – does he want to get into head coaching? Because I think 
when you turn down Jim Harbaugh for Michigan's recruiting coordinator, like what 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 more step up is there for Vince at this point? Right. Besides head coaching. What are yeah, what's his aspiration? What's his end game, I guess you would say. So I went and I was like, all right, let's crunch the number. Like Youngstown said he would obviously be taking a pay grade. Downgrade. Pay, pay cut, yeah. So that that's negative for him wanting to leave. Um, what's another positive for him? He wants to get into coaching. Head coaching. That, that, that would be a reason why he would leave. He wants to do it for his hometown school. The negative is, uh, remember that story about he promised his Stoops' mom? That he'd take care of Mark. Yeah. And, tells it all the time. Yeah, he tells so like that's obviously a reason why he wouldn't ditch Mark. You can't leave him hanging now, especially before this big year they got coming up. The other big one is why it probably won't happen, is because Bo's brother Carl's probably gonna take it. Um You've I think you know more about this too, because I, I only saw the the stuff that went back yeah, to last this year. Is, Per football scoops report, uh, just to wrap it up quickly. Like this last year, I think when Pelini had his con- new contract negotiations with Youngstown, mm-hmm. part of it was to bring Carl on. Yes. And I think, long story short, is that he was planning on leaving probably soon. Yeah. And he wanted to, you know, kind of have like a head coach and waiting type thing. Yeah. So he was going to be, Carl was going to be their defensive coordinator, but more importantly, the successor. Right. So, I mean, this we'll job... we'll see if that sticks. We yeah, just don't know. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it could have been, like, a verbal agreement, too. Like, you know, and then that can open the door. But, ultimately, even if Carl, if Carl Pliny doesn't take that job and it's wide open, I don't think Vince Merrill's going to Youngstown State. It's worth mentioning, and it's worth writing a post about on KSR to keep in your mind. But... Usually, if you're going to do the FCS move... It's either that you're super young and you just want to you want to be your own boss and you want to go mm-hmm. run with it, or it's maybe becoming clear that you're kind of out of options. And I don't know if Vince is out of options. Well, I think he I think if he played his cards right and he wanted to be a head coach, he could get a Mac job probably pretty soon. Yeah, I think like that's what you wait for. You mm-hmm. wait till Jason Candle gets too good at Toledo, and you go take that job. Right. Or you know like. I don't think you want to go for a rebuild, but right. I think he would now with the Mac. You got to be careful because the Mac is cheap, 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 and you have to play on Tuesday nights, and it's weird, and it's the most. Um, I'm looking for the word here. Parody, parody ring conference. Someone else wins that league almost every year. Yeah, and it's up and down, up and down. And it's Their consistency is tough to find. So when you look at a job like Toledo. Uh, where they're kind of able to recruit better than most schools, mainly because they kind of have a city to recruit to. Mm-hmm. And uh, their stadium is not uh, nice per max standards, and they have uh, probably the best attendance, the most fans. So, yeah, and it's that's his alum. So that might be a job he's on from yeah. a distance. And- or, they're, you know, he, he could pick and choose from some of the other max schools. Right. Like Ohio when Solich leaves – That'd be a great that, job to that's, work into. That's a program that historically has been one of the worst in the MAC, but Solich has made it so good now for two decades. It may be, you know, ready to. You may be able to go in there, well, put some recruiting power into it, and then take some kids with a culture already built in. Yes. And then go win. And I think that's where Vince Merrow would succeed. Mm-hmm. Is where, like, doing a rebuild job. He doesn't strike me as a rebuild guy. Like, it's, right. It's, it just. That doesn't seem like because because Vince that's, is that's a if, great, if, he, if he wants to be a head coach too he's on a he's on a track now where he could oh end he, up being a million dollar recruiting coordinator exactly if the money keeps going up he well and he, they've got given him the title associate head coach mm-hmm. so yeah he could be making a million bucks when they give him a contract he got one last year I would assume they're going to give him one next year especially if they make out like gangbusters this year mm-hmm. and then like you have an honest conversation with Mark and you say all right Mark what's the deal Are we staying or like because, you know, here's the thing, too, that we have to consider. We're reaching a point of that 8-10 year window where you get that itch. It's year 8 coming up. 
Year eight's coming up. Between years eight and ten, it's like this. It's I mean, same thing with Cal. You either get content and you're good and you're you're down to stay there for life, or you want to make one big jump and see if you can't do it at a, a higher level. Which elsewhere. is why I've said I think this year they're teed up to have a big year. For Kentucky, it's getting through this next off season. If you get through that next off season with Stoops. I think you're then looking at one more year where you have one more storm to weather, and if you weather that storm, yeah, I think <laughs> then you're kind of because it's you could have a he's there for a while. You I could think. have a mass exodus unless some, or next right. year could be a well, we're going to be getting used to Stoops. They're going to be here for twenty unless years. like Ohio State or Notre Dame calls. Yeah, but even then, they'd be calling him at pushing six, right? You know, the, so the age like, thing is. There too, honestly, because he got a little later start than most people. Like Mike Norvell starting at 36 years old at the big job. Yeah. Vince is 51. Right. Your cousin Jeff is still in his 40s. Yeah, yeah. He's got plenty of time. To... So, and Stoops got a late, you know, he got a little bit of a late start. So, so uh, I'm with you too on, on this year. Too. Like, here, uh, your rate of return your rate of investment, like I'm not an economics guy, but you've invested a lot into the season and to leave before you see what kind of dividends you can return off of it. Like you don't go for a $200,000 job going back to Youngstown or, right. <laughs> you know, you want to go cash in elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think getting paid a million dollars a year to, you know, be a recruiter guy. And yeah. Kentucky, I mean, that'd be a pretty sweet. Kentucky game. would have to, you know, honestly commit to that, but, I'm going to be interested to see what the salary pool is going to be like once once that whole – where it ranks because they really up the number a lot. Right. And I'm looking around some of these teams in the SEC. Now, Kentucky's paying a recruiting coordinator $650, what, 50, mm-hmm. and that's probably a lot more than everybody else is paying. But you look at Arkansas, it's got $2 million coordinators. You've got Tennessee, it's got $2 million coordinators. South Carolina has got two million dollar coordinators. Williams like a three million. You know, I, Bobo's getting paid like one and a half or something. Right, two. and then, L. Yeah, I think it's one and a half. Then LSU, they're DC. Pelini's making two and a half, and then I would assume Insmeeker is going to be making right. I would say around between eight hundred and nine hundred. Yeah. So, you just look around the league, and these coaches are making. You know, a lot of money. So, if Kentucky's winning, they're going to kind of have to get up to that number two, mm-hmm. I think. So, I think that staff pool is going to have to maybe take a pretty good jump here soon. Just something to keep an eye on. Something to keep an eye on. I think they, they, they've shown that they're willing to pay. Right. Well, I mean, I think part of the reason LeBron – this is just me reading the tea leaves. Part of the reason LeBron might have left was because of the money situation. I've – he was making three twenty five, I think, at Kentucky, and then I think he's making like four hundred something now at Arkansas. But well, like we said with the pay raises, you saw they invested in Summerall mm-hmm. and Clink Scale, and I think that was just kind of yeah. yeah. And now they're bringing in Amar Stewart on you know pretty cheap rate. I think it's like two fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's cheap. Yeah, for it's cheap, SEC but also position. that's a hell of a starting. Oh yeah, for I mean, second yeah. year <laughs> position. We coach. need that money in the blog. blog yeah, I know. I'd, I'd appreciate that a lot. Um, yeah, Matt, let's let's get let's get some. Ooh, that's what we need. We need them to go to SEC Network to have KSR on SEC Network. We start getting the SEC money. <laughs> yeah, there, there we go. We're gonna be six figure bloggers before we know it. Before we know. It. All right. Time off's eating it all up. Yeah, he really. Let's let's do our the Grand Poobah. Now that we're starting to slowly transition the next year, the early enrollees are on campus. They've been there two and a half weeks now. There's 12 of them. It's a lot, man. Yeah. Got a dozen on campus, and it's a dozen of 22. So you've got more kids already there than not. And we want to count down the four or five that – let's just call this the most intriguing locket. Yeah. Because you can't call them impact – early and real easy anymore because they aren't going to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, it's not because they're not good enough, but it's because the entire class last year redshirted. So you have, I mean, think about that. Stoops has 
it's a whole. It's almost like you have two incoming classes at once because you're bringing back twenty dudes who redshirted last year. And we can get into this more later. If you look at next year's too deep, it's kind of freaking ridiculous. Because <laughs> I was going through it, uh, I believe over the weekend, just kind of writing it out and taking a look at it, trying to see what your depth chart would be. Yeah, and it's it's pretty pretty deep at just about every spot. We might have to do. Where we just put like all of the football heads together and like pull our depth chart just to see where we think it'll stand. Right. Because, I mean, it's not going to get too wild. Like, you know, things don't change up. Well, the problem is, like, I don't know where, like, Kelvin Joseph's going to play. Yeah. So, like, figuring all that out is kind of interesting. Like, would they try to put him in nickel or they just say, D Rob, you got this? Do they play him at corner? I think he could play corner or safety. So, I think. I think they would want him just like, hey, go take away a side of the field. You know? like, Because how many times has Kentucky ever had a dude like that? Like, just nobody's throwing it over here. Yeah, that makes – I mean, that would make the most sense. But and they can but get, he, but well, he they might get, have wanted to come here to also be a safety too. So they could get know. back to the boundary and field that they've played in the past. They really didn't do that last year. They just kind of played them. It's rotated. Yeah. yeah. Both the same. Okay, this year, most intriguing early enrollees. And I'm going to start with – a player that we already mentioned in this podcast, and that's Jeremy Flax. Because, A, you don't often get offensive linemen that come in and want to plug and play right away. But that's what Auburn was going to do with him at offensive tackle. And you've got a scenario where you don't really have that option because Kennard and Young are might be the best offensive tackles in the SEC. So but they're up there with anybody in the country, I think. Yeah, in so, 2020. So do you say, "All right, Jeremy, we want you to be the third guy and play both and just spell them and give them a series off here and there and kind of rotate them in?" Or do you say, "All right, this guy Logan Stenberg, he was a six-six offensive guard, go in there and be a six-five offensive guard that's pulling and raising hell." So I, you know, that's your. And you know my theory on JUCOs. You get them not. They're to play. Not they're not there to sit. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, exactly. And to add to all of this, remember the last JUCO offensive lineman that was highly touted that UK got in? Tate Levitt. Yeah, it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, will it work out? Right. And that's the one position where they got they have the bodies, but it, it you don't know who's gonna be in that spot in the t- in the twos because you know who the ones are. I'm trying to think. So Lewis was the left tackle, but he wasn't really close. Who was the right backup? We had Nasir Watkins as a yeah, one yeah. So he's been like their kind of third guy, mm-hmm. swing tackle. Yeah. So who do you? I, that's why I think Flax is one of the most. I think he's the most intriguing person in here. If I had to put money down, I would say that he's. I think they move Fortner to left guard, and then they they plug in Flax at right guard. Okay. All right. You heard it here first, folks. But I want to see see him in spring to see what what he looks like, if he can move around enough, or if they just think he's a tackle and we just need a tackle for next year. So we, you know. As we bring on the yeah. other guys. All right, who who do you think is one of the most I'm sticking prospects? in a John Shalarman's position room. John Young, four-star prospect out of Christian Academy in Louisville. Again, like we're saying with an offensive line, I think he's going to redshirt this year. But when you look at next year – it's going to be wide open. And he's a guy I think they're going to stick at tackle at first. But I think, he, like Logan Stenberg, I think his best position might be at guard because of he's just a mauler mm-hmm. in, in the run game. So how they use him, where they use him at, and to see if he's getting in with the twos. If he's getting in with the twos, I think, like in the spring game, mm-hmm. then It'll show he's you probably not going to play this year, but next year he's going to be a guy, and I think he could be a guy that could potentially start in 2021. Or it's like one of those things like uh, what what Landon had to do. He he was a break glass in case of emergency when right. Cole Mosier went down. Yeah, um, he could definitely be that end up being that third guard that yeah. they might not want to use, but if something happens, hey, they we would got four games. Right. Like <laughs> right. Um, so I, I like that one. Also, just John Young too is like the most. Grown up, eighteen year old ever. Mm-hmm. He's intriguing in that right. Yeah, he's been well coached too. Mm-hmm. He plays with the motor, and he's it's big for those are for guy, especially at that position, to get in there early and just kind of learn. And if he's able to really adapt and 
learn quickly and really show physically that he can handle playing at that level, mm-hmm. I think he's going to have a chance to be, potentially be – it would be the third, I think, true freshman to play on the offensive line, potentially. You have Darian Kennard and Georgia Safo J. I think they're the only other two. It's, it's nice to have – Landon some, Young, Landon Young. Yeah. So, they'll be fourth. Some tackles that play a lot of football. But all those guys uniform. were four-star prospects. So, like, they were big recruiting wins. And physically, they were ready to go mm-hmm. right from the get-go. And I think John Young is right there, too. Uh, for my next guy, who did, I, I think it's intriguing just to see – I'm interested to see how well he fits in right away, and that's Bo Allen. I mean, of course, you're intrigued to watch the quarterback throw. I mean, I've, thrown, I've seen him you know, play against – Kentucky High School competition. I've seen him throw against, you know, in shirts, shorts and t-shirts uh, in camps. But I'm interested to see what he does against this secondary. I want to see his accuracy travel. He's, he's really accurate in high school. Yeah. Let's see it travel to this next level. Yeah, and it should. Um, but I and also, like, how much bigger does he get? Because he he's always struck me as, like, a smaller guy. Yes. But he is, like still 62 which is pretty normal for quarterbacks now. I mean, look at the NFL, right. half of them are like 5'11 guys. So, and also that pecking order too. Like I know, you know, Henshaw and them, they keep that stuff so close to the vest, but how they rotate these guys in when they do their 7 on 7s and stuff, like who gets to go with which receivers? Mm-hmm. Like uh, I mean, obviously they're not going to throw Bow in right away with the twos. Like it's not going to happen, but they also kind of have to because they're hamstrung. You're you're gonna have Terry Wilson, who's I'm sure going like limited at best. Right. You know, like I bet you he's only throwing. Yeah, he ain't playing in the spring game. It's only gonna be like one on one drills, and and that's a maybe. So then Sawyer, we're not really sure Scalzo's if Scalzo's got an ACL. You know what mm-hmm. the deal is, Sawyer? So oh, do we know if Amani Gilmore's playing baseball? I heard he wasn't, okay. or at least the baseball folks hadn't really heard anything from him. Okay. So, um, so he should be there. Um, but big spring for him. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, especially because one of those two is not going to end up here between Scalzo and Gilmore. Mm-hmm. And if Scalzo's hurt, here's your time to go go sh- show out. So uh, that that's one big reason. You know, I'm just see where the Bo Allen's going to fall. Yes, and then go. You can throw Joey Gatewood in there too. Now he's not going to play, but just getting to see. Yeah, him yeah. in action. I just want to like, and you don't get the benefit of it in practice because or in the scrimmage because well, they're not, he's you're not going to touch him. But you're going to get to see that big arm. Yeah, just, yeah. Pick up your jaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just like from a physical standpoint, like, I mean, we've had these JUCO guys, and I remember when Terry first came in, you were like, "Oh, this dude's big," and then when he had that summer of lifting. This dude's been at Auburn, <laughs> lifting weights down there, you mm-hmm. know. So I'm, I'm pumped to see some Joey Gatewood as well. Right. Who, who you got next, uh, Mr. Luckett? I'll go with Khalil Branham, the only receiver. It's an early enrollee. That's a position, that receiver. They, it's a little bit of a log jam, but I, I think it's a pretty safe bet that a couple guys might be leaving after the spring mm-hmm. um, in the portal. And Branham, uh, can he come in and be a guy that can potentially play right away? On tape in high school, he's got some pretty good run after the catch ability. He's pretty good size, physicality, deceptive speed. Is he a guy that could potentially be a player, a guy maybe a rotation piece for them? So just seeing him out running routes, catching passes, by all accounts, he's this ridiculous hard worker. So Yeah, and I – Brainham, it's like the Salmonelli kid where I don't know how much – like. I just want to see it, see more of him, because I mean you can't help but get hyped when he. That's one thing that I've missed. We haven't gotten our typical hype like our catching videos, you know, because he's just doing it at the facility. Right. He's not like in his backyard. But I want to know how much of like how fast that kid. When is. When you turn on his tape, he has football player traits. I mean, they're putting wildcat quarterback. He's running the ball traditionally. He's doing things in the short passing game and just run, being an athlete, making plays. Make, people miss run people over and then he's able to run vertically and showing ball the ball skills to go up and catch the ball in traffic so 
you can see it with them pretty easily when you turn on the tape. It, it just it does that. Does that immediately come to fruition? Right. Know, college right. practice. How, field. how long does it take for that to, to you kick know, in? Exactly. Exactly. And receivers, I feel like it takes longer than most. Well, I mean, it depends on how good they are. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. But I think just the like get. <laughs> You know, getting open and not being faster than everybody and running well, routes. Yes. Like becoming running a, routes is Becoming tough. a tactician and learning what the secondary is doing and learning how to recognize that, recognize coverages and what you're supposed to do to create space or separation. And I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into it that I don't think a lot of people mm-hmm. realize. But I, uh, I did a podcast can be difficult last week with Travis Graff. And Kalen Harris, Travis does he does work for Cats Illustrated, and he's on our uh, sources say yes pod. sources say as well. Um, this podcast, the Cat Scan podcast, a little bit different, but the other guy, Kalen, was saying he heard Josh Ali's all in on the slot. You like that? Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Yeah, I, I think it does too. But I, it, you 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 got to find outside guys. But I think from just a getting his numbers up as far as receptions and a skill set kind of fits it too. He's fast. He's a good route runner. That makes sense. So, well, with Ali, I think vertically, he doesn't have that kind of, I don't know. It's not, he doesn't have that extra gear, just that burst, but short area quickness, getting right. in and out of breaks. I think that's where he kind of excels. And then that gives uh, Bryce Oliver more opportunities on the outside. Isaiah Epps, who's this guy a lot of people forget about. Yeah. Um, Alan Daly, he'd been playing a lot of inside, get him outside, you know, mm-hmm. where his probably his more natural position. So, um, so I like that. I, 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 I that just dawned on me. I felt like that was news worth sharing. Um, do we got any more guys that we're incredibly intrigued by? I, I mentioned Sam Manelli just because I want to see him. <laughs> like, the Eric Jackson, just because of his size, he's that thumper in the run game, and because of some transfers, that's a thin position group right now. They've got their three: mm-hmm. Chris Holtz, DeAndre Square. Jamin Davis, but Jackson's going to get a lot of reps well, this spring. Every and to year, see what he does with those. Every year, they've had the Irwin Rowley inside linebacker gets a ton of reps because they get shoulder injuries, and during the regular season, you just play through it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't practice that much, but it's spring, so why make people go through with it? You know, like Jamin Davis, uh, he led the spring game of tackles one year. Mm-hmm. Um, Trey Wilkins got a lot of play last year as Irwin Rowley, so um, that's a good call on your part. Um, and I also wanted to throw in just Joe Williams. Like, I don't think he's going to play right away, but that dude's just a freak athlete. He is. And that's, that secondary is just stupid, man. Yeah, it's really stupid. And the same thing, I mean, it's the same way with Jatan McClain. Like, that, that the running back room, they're, mm-hmm. like, who, who are you getting reps from? Right. And Joe Williams is a guy, like we talked about Joseph, where do they put him? I think he could. Play corner or safety. So trying to figure out, mm-hmm. kind of like they did with Quandre Mosley last year. They start him at corner, mm-hmm. throw him inside at nickel, then let him settle in at safety. Yeah. And then yeah, running back. I think Jatan McLean was a guy that could have potentially pushed for early PT, but with AJ Rose coming back, yeah, it's just a loaded room right now. Right, right, right. But hell, maybe one of him or Tisdale tries out slot. Maybe you know. Kick return too. I think Tisdale might yeah, be the guy there. I, yeah, I think they're 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 looking at that for him. Um, and I think we're looking at in, wrapping up the show, Adam Luckett. Another week. Spring practice. It's not going to start until late February. February. They use so what'll happen is spring break. They'll do a week of practice for spring break. So that's like last week of February. They'll get a week of practice in. Spring break's like the first of March. Around SEC tournament time, so they're off a week, and then it's finish out. Um, so and they get a their spring, uh, yeah, they get that, and then when is spring game? We're looking at second weekend in April. Yeah, something like that. So they space it out. They space it out. It's a good job. Yeah, yeah, they space it out. So they're not a savage like Scott Satterfield wanting to get the spring game done before the end of February. Freaking jerk! <laughs> get out of your Saturday, <laughs> Scott. You and your stupid tots. Um, but. As usual, just want to thank you all for listening, for putting up with us during the offseason. Um, and I hope you all enjoyed uh, the Pro Bowl. Hope you enjoyed Zadarius Smith and Josh Allen getting some sacks. I couldn't tell you last time 
watch the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I didn't watch it either. I saw Zadarius's Kobe celebration. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I bet Brad White was talking about the Pro Bowl and they had that, that kid in from Philly. I'm sure they had that on <laughs> the facility for sure. Had that conversation. Um, and then Super Bowl on Sunday, who you got? I got the Chiefs, man, number 15, riding with Mahomes. Yeah, I think – I also just want Andy Reid to get one. I do worry about the Chiefs' run defense. It's not great, and that's what the Niners do. Those run the damn ball. But if they can just – yeah, if they can slow it down a little bit and make a Jimmy G play quarterback. Throw, play quarterback, I think the Chiefs could be in good shape. Oh, we didn't bring up your conspiracy theory. Yeah, before Mike Stoops, I had a conspiracy theory that Mark Stoops was just waiting on the Super Bowl to be over – to hire somebody on one of those staffs. But when I did a little deep deep dive, couldn't really find the guy who would be. Well, so, Matt House, bring him back. Yeah. We get the band back together, <laughs> Matt House. Um, but, no, I don't think he's uh, – not after – I think that that year for House is going exactly like he hoped it would. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Win a Super Bowl, maybe next year defense gets a little bit better, and then all of a sudden he can he's be a potentially a – Coordinator. NFL, D.C. Yeah. Got they, uh, when we were looking up to see what kind of potential replacements they could have, folks, just look up Andy Reid's head coaching picture. Yes, go to KansasCityChiefs.com, <laughs> go to coaching staff, and look at Andy Reid. It's it's magnificent. You will it's get the only time he's ever worn a suit. <laughs> Did you picture. see they were all wearing Hawaiian shirts? Yes. And to go to the Super Bowl. Oh, he's, he's wearing Hawaiian. I hope he wears a Hawaiian shirt on the sideline during the game. Miami. Exactly. Why not? And when before, in Rome. And before we go, rest in peace, Kobe. Sad yeah. story. Oh, God. It just sucks. Yeah. Nothing really else you can say. Yeah. Sad. Really sad stuff. I'm from the, till the day I die, every time I shoot a paper ball into a trash can. Kobe. For people our age, man, he was there from the time we were little yeah. until didn't retire until, you know, sometime in our 20s. So even, 20 years he was in when life. he retired. He was one of the last. Him and Dirk were – I get Vince Carter's the last one that's still around. That's still playing, yeah. But NBA Street 2, when that kid came out in 03, it was like prime of me. I'm 12 years old, like playing, you know, travel basketball for the first time, just all in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kobe was one of the guys. He had a butter shot on that game too, just smooth. Kobe was game. the main star, really. Him, then It was him and LeBron for a while, but the, the internet era, really. It started when the internet pretty much started in 97, and then as that grew and got bigger, and then as the NBA kind of took off. There's a funny webpage of like... With the Twitter era, and the he Lakers, was all part of that. It was like announcing that draft pick, and he got picked on like their website. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. You yeah. know, just old school internet, so gone way too soon, uh, and even us football guys can appreciate greatness, and hate to see him gone, uh, and we hate to leave you, but it's time to go. We thank you all for listening, for subscribing, for listening to all of the great podcasts on the KSR Network. We'll see you next week, uh, National Signing Day, and have a little Super Bowl to talk about. There we go. Enjoy the last football, football while you can. Ends, man. Enjoy it while you can. We'll see you all later. Go Cats. Go Kroger.